This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. All right, let's get started. Uh, welcome everybody back to the second floor. It's your boy Cassius. You haven't seen me in a minute. Uh, this is season, what are we on? Season three? Season three, baby. This oh is, God, uh, it's a season three. We're on season three with, with, uh, my man Kenny and we got special guest KB in the house. I uh, appreciate you both coming on. Um, this is funny because I know this is your season. So this is kind of like a special episode. I'm coming back in. We have a special announcement coming up in September. Um, so I just wanted to just chop it up. Both with you, uh, you and KB, because it's been a while since we've had it. Our jungle series kind of died off, but you know, I think we can bring that back. You know, we're going to do a little bit of, uh, uh, renovations to this room, make it a little spicy for September onwards. So, um, yeah, just wanted to chop it up, man. 100%, man. Yeah. This is a tortilla switch. <laughs> what does it mean when, uh, uh, kids say chop it up? It means, uh, just like having a cool conversation. Just like uh, we chop it up, you chop it to me, I chop it to you. Like KB's been learning new new dialect. He recently learned what no cap means. <laughs> yeah, no cap, lit, um, chop it up. That's perfect. He literally did that to the steak upstairs. You chopped it up. That's what I literally. Did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. So this is this is gonna be fun, especially because I didn't know KB was gonna hop on. So this is gonna be nice and spontaneous. This was very spontaneous. I yeah. liked it. We're trying to get more uh, cameo time for KB. You know, him and I've been talking a lot about just having more um, media opportunity, more putting ourselves out there, whether it's together or separate in some capacity. But yeah. with what we both do, there's so much, uh, so many advantages, man, to just yeah. being able to showcase. Um, the things we love doing, um, and also through the betterment of other people being able to um, notice and see what's benefiting us with the decisions we're making with our health. Uh, so it's just uh, going back to what we love doing is just being open to share things without the sense of, oh, what are people going to think if yeah. we put this up, right? There, there's a lot of that that I notice goes on, as you know, as content creator, where there's the, the the noise in the back of your head that goes, oh, do I put this up? Do I not? What are people going to think? But I think it's just I'm trying to get more comfortable with just putting it up on the first take, putting it up on the first take, right? Because yeah. you could look at it and that by the end, judge and ask yourself so many times, this could be better. It could always be better. Yeah. Right? So just make it better the next time you do it. Yeah. There's a, There's actually a new app called Be Real. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's another social media app that's kind of gaining popularity. And basically, um, how you post is when you, when you go into the app, and this is, I don't know much about it, but what I've heard is that when you, when you, when you post something on this app, it act, it activates both the front camera and the back camera of your phone. So the whole idea is to be real in that moment when you post. So it shows both the front and the back of, um, whatever you post. Some something like that. So right now, I've seen a couple people on it. Uh, our our homie Karam's on it. Mm. But you and and another thing is you can't see uh, other people's posts until you post something. Mm. No creepers. Yeah. So you can't you if you want to see their authentic self, you have to post something of yourself. Oh, interesting. So I don't know. Again, I don't know much about it. So if I completely got this off, people like the audience, I hope they don't kill me about you know getting this off but what i've heard is that it activates both sides of your phone so when you do post it shows w what you are in that moment <laughs> first thing that comes to mind is someone who's just so desperate to show um how much quote-unquote fun they're having at a concert and i just picture someone like posting a concert and they don't realize that on the be real app that it shows their face <laughs> and they're just putting it up and they're just like just not smiling they look like they're not having a good time and they're just like yeah <laughs> They're just showing the concert while they have no expression of their face. Oh yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I haven't actually uh, like gone into it too much, but I might look into it and see what it what it is. But it's gaining some traction. Reminds you of those uh, Ray Ban uh, stories. See, yeah, right. I don't, I, I don't think those are going to be really popular. You know, the Ray Ban stories. I don't think so. Ray Ban stories. So I love Ray Ban stories. Okay. So I actually like. I gift people. I gift loved ones what I want. So I gifted that to two people in my life. And 
Dude, I thought it was sick. Like the concept okay. of yeah. picture, for those who don't know Ray-Ban stories, it's a camera attached to your glasses. So you hands-free can now record something that you would want to record anyways. Yeah. And then you could put it on your story. Why don't you just whip out your phone? And- but imagine doing that hands-free. Imagine if you're on a bike or you're doing something with two hands. Like let's say you're shadow boxing, and from the perspective of you throwing your hands, you can have the glasses on yeah, and cool. record that experience. It's like a GoPro kind of. Yeah. Sort of, but for stories. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Do you think we're muddying the waters too much with uh, like these ideas? Like just in general, like when people are constantly trying to find the next best Instagram, next best TikTok, like, you know, this whole Be Real app. Could it get better? I mean, social media itself is an absolute mess, right? <sighs> how many apps that don't make it? How many how many apps that are there that are short-lived? And only the four or five or 10 or 15 big ones really last. So I, I don't what know. What were your guys' favorite social media apps that didn't make it? They're kind of sad now they didn't make it. Mm. You thought maybe had a fighting chance. MSN. MSN, MSN was cool, yeah. man. It was cool. You know, like once you finish school, you go straight to MSN, right? You got a status update. You know, you throw a couple BRBs when you go on your lunch break, right? <laughs> yeah. You go BRB and you you come back. Yeah. And you're talking to someone, like, you back? And you're back, but you don't tell them, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's so cool. I actually miss it, yeah. And you could put like cool statuses and stuff and oh, like designs no. for your name. You'd be like capital L, lowercase I, capital O, lowercase and lion mentality. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just <laughs> keep changing the capitals. Like, it was crazy, man. Yeah. What was your foist? Fo- your what was your first uh, uh, MSN name? Like your at hotmail.com. I don't know. Mine was so basic, man. Like Kenny Buller 2013. So basic. What was yours? Mine was uh, (laughs) gay boys in the house at hotmail.com. Whoa. Mine was baller11 at live.com. I know know KB asked me so he could be asked there (laughs) because his is so sick. I had a friend, uh, Aaron. He was a unit 069. <laughs> a unit in gay boys in the house. Yeah. I just picture both of them making it together, right? Everyone was very gangster, you know, on on Hotmail. That was. You know what this reminds you of? The website E Bombs World. You ever remember that one? Oh yes, I do. Man, that was the first time yeah. I experienced fifty fifty five. It was the mm. most weirdest, weirdest video I've ever seen in my life. Do you remember that? Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember how many times you listened to it? Oh yeah. Oh man, this video was so interesting. If anyone remembers fifty fifty five and you were on E Bombs World, please comment, subscribe, follow, <laughs> DM us. Tell us that you've also experienced that. Yeah. If you haven't, look it up. That's hilarious, man. Yeah, no, I mean, so, you know, talking about social, I mean, we can kind of get into uh, a little bit of the topics that I kind of had in mind that I wanted to ask you, Kenny and KB, and obviously feel free to throw some questions at my way. But uh, uh, let's let's talk about how, um, like, ideally, especially with this episode, I really want there to be a theme. But um, I think the biggest theme right now, especially since we haven't chatted in a while, is you know, what are your biggest, what have been your biggest risks with everything that you've been doing, whether it's second floor related, uh, fitness related, KB in your career, um, things that you've done, maybe transitional points that you've had, um, where you've had to take a risk, whether big or small, um, ideally wanting to know what that looked like. And maybe that's that story behind that. Mm. What, are, what are the biggest risks? Well, it could be personal. I like to keep it business just because I, I, I like people. People want to know, especially, uh, you know, career related stuff. But if it's personal, I'd love to love to hear it. I, I'll give you one. I have a couple. I'll give you one. Then we'll tee yeah. off and hear KBs uh, from a uh, like athletic performance perspective from uh, competing as often as I have in jujitsu lately. Uh, a lot of things changed for me since Chicago. So, you know, I had two days of competitions there. Day number one, um, again, I was very fixated on the notion of, you know, you, you work so hard not to win. Uh, you work so hard 
to make a name for yourself. You work so hard, you know, da, 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 right? Like everything that had to surmount to the concept of I need to win. So the first day, guess what? I didn't win, right? I, I fell short again. Um, sure enough, of course, right? Like anyone would after they lose, it's, uh, it's always, it's always devastating and it's always frustrating because you can't help but look back at the moments where if you just made a little bit minor adjustment, you would have won. That's, that, that was what happened in, in my matches. So then as I was leaving and I was getting prepared, the second chance I looked at it as, uh, for the next day, I was listening to, uh, what Sadhguru was saying, and I actually said this on one of our recent episodes, but I'll say it, say it again, is he was talking about the concept of, you know what, when you're competing or you're doing anything in life, you know, a lot of times we have one eye on the outcome, and then we have one eye on what we're currently doing. So when you only have now one eye towards what you're currently doing right now, could you, couldn't you argue that your focus is not entirely there? Half of your focus is gone because you're so worried about what is this going to ultimately surmount to? What is this going to lead to? So Sadhguru was talking about, you know what? Stop thinking about the outcome. You're there. Take your both eyes and play. And watch what happens. Watch the result you get just from strictly focusing on keeping both of your eyes on the prize and being in the moment and playing the game. And then it just hit me so much. I was like, you know what? All I'm doing on the day of competition is I'm forcing myself to think I have to beat this guy. Am I ever doing that in practice? Am I ever going up against someone I'm about to have a really intense role with and being like, I'm going to beat him? No. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to play. And naturally, the art of playing and through enjoying the process of, of doing what I love, which is a sport I play, the outcome ends up being as good as it could be. Winning will naturally come through that. But just focus on playing the game. And man, I came back that next day. I did that. And that was the first time as a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, I won an international U.S. Open competition. At second place, rather. But I, I, I hit the podium. But it was so much since then, man. Like every other competition, I'm like, I'm loose. And it reminded me of, you know, that's the risk I'm willing to take is not being the guy that needs to come off like, I got to win. I got to win. I got to be the scariest looking guy in here. You know, this is similar to uh, what another uh, really well-known head coach said. Uh, his name's Cobrinha. And he's like, you know what? He's like, never be the guy that looks like uh, big and scary. You know, you, you go in there, you want to look tough. He's like, be the guy that looks like he's having the best time ever. That's going to fuck with people. Right. That's what's going to make people be like, what the hell? This guy's about to compete and go on the mats. He looks like he's ready to party. So, so I'm curious then from what you said, then what did you do to have that shift? Like when you're, you're saying your, your focus was, you know, on two different places, what did you do the next day to, to, to Mm. get you fully immersed into the, you know, that I, I imagine I'm at practice. So if I treat every practice as serious as the next competition, and what I mean by that is obviously like. If you're if you're practicing and not is not as efficient as what you need to be ready for the actual match itself, then that's another problem you have to fix. But now I'm visualizing when I'm at my competition, I'm imagining I'm at frontline. I'm imagining this is just another role. Of course, because if you're lucky enough in jujitsu, when you win a match, you get more matches. But same thing in practice, you're rolling with upwards of seven, eight to nine people in in a in a practice. Okay, so same thing in a competition. So what's what's any different? But the difference before was I put so much weight. I put so much pressure. I put so much uh, almost anxiety in this one match. Right. Right? Like there's so much, there's such, so much unnecessary energy I'm expelling. Right. So the biggest risk I took here was, okay, yeah, this is a big deal for me. And I care a lot about whatever my wherever my career goes in this. But I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy. Win or lose. I'm just going to have fun. And I, yeah. Well, I gained the most out of that. Yeah, no, and that, the the reason I'm kind of poking at that is to try to get that answer of like if someone is in your position in whatever sport they're in, you know, it, it's hard to just be like, all right, I'm just think this is practice because it's not. So was there something you did? Meditation, mud water? I don't know. What is the? <laughs> is there something there that that you? Because it, it or is it just as simple as like flicking the switch in your brain and saying, oh, this is just like practice. I think it's a combination of things for sure. Um, uh, I think b- breathing uh, and, and how you breathe is important, okay. right? Um, maybe Did I interject? No, please. KB can speak on this because he knows what it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think 
you are what you practice, right? Um, so if your mentality in competition is so different from the way your mentality is in practice, then you are acting a very alien way to yourself. And you're, that's why people have competition anxiety because they have put competition on such a pedestal to where they've framed it as this like completely alien thing in their mind. And it's so far removed from what their training is that the two are not replicable. You have to try and make the practice room and the competition room replicable at times. That's why you need to, the way you are when you, when you roll hard or when you spar hard is the way you're going to be when you compete at full clip. You know, I think that's right. That's a big point. This is a good point. And again, it goes back to, okay, well, how are you practicing? Yeah. How are you practicing? And how are you mentally preparing for that practice? You know, it's like, are you taking it as seriously as you should be, right? It's like Alan Iverson. I used to love watching this, right? He's like, it ain't about the game. It's about practice. No, he said, he said, <laughs> he said, you're talking about practice? Because he, he missed practice. It's, it's he never, opposite. He never showed up. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite. Well, I'm going to twist it. This, you went full twist? <laughs> <laughs> you did a fucking twist. No, this, whole, this whole episode is how you interpret information. And that's a total of full twist. Full switch. <laughs> that's so bad. You killed me, bro. bro. It's so bad. It's so do, you, bad. do you even know who Alan Iverson is, bro? That big tall guy, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. I know he's a short guy, bro. I know he's a short guy. You killed me, bro. That reminds me when I say someone's name with so much confidence. And I think I know their name. But they're like, that's not my name. <laughs> happened to one of my trainer's girlfriends last night, bro. She's like, you know my name's not Lindsay. It's Lauren. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. too funny, bro. But no, that makes sense. I think, I, I think that makes sense. It's 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 difficult for someone to put that. I think they put that, like you said, that pedestal is it, it's it's so much different. Practice and the competition, they've made it so different that when they go into competition, it becomes that. Like, Even in your field, Omid, like if you're a guy that's really comfortable, like. Uh, writing out your raps and then wrapping them up by yourself, but the moment you do it in front of three, four people, you freeze up. And how are you going to get in a studio and, and drop a song? Yeah, or get on stage. Or get on stage in front of you know a bunch of people. It's- yeah. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Pod Power. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a pod power shout out to Bookwoman. Bookwoman is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form they enjoy. Guests include storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, film, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomanpodcast.ca. Now, back to the Second Floor Podcast. Right. Yeah, no, no, I totally get that. KB, going into that, what was, what is a, like one of, one of the biggest risks you've taken in, in, in your life or, you know, in, in your profession, um, you know, being a fighter? What does that look like? Is there a story? Is there something that you can that you can share with us? Yeah. Um, when I, I when I came on the podcast for the first time, your first episode, um, I talked about how I talked about this exactly this exact topic. I had a very cushiony job, a very comfortable job. Um, I was working as an accountant at one of the top four biggest accounting companies in the world. And I was uh, absolutely miserable with this. Um, I grew up in the sport of MMA. MMA was like my life since I was 13 years old. And then being tossed into the corporate world was actually very 
foreign and weird and it felt like I was just doing myself a giant disservice to my talent and just what I've worked towards in my whole life. So I chose to leave that nice comfy job behind and dedicate myself entirely to MMA. Um, choose to see just how good I can become and pursue the best version of myself in my chosen field, which is fighting. No, I love that, man. And um, it, it was pretty quick that inner, probably inner dissonance of being in that corporate job. You, did you know right away this is not where you want to be? I'm sure you I knew I hated it after the first, like, maybe month of being in there. Because I can, uh, I can trick myself with a lot of things. And I can, like, act like... I tricked this massive accounting company that I could be a good accountant. And they hired maybe four out of, like, a thousand applicants. So, if I could trick them, and I could trick myself then I feel like I can fucking trick anybody that I can do anything. Yeah. So for me, a lot of the time it was like I was drinking the Kool-Aid of what it was like being this suit and tie guy and working a nice salary job, having the benefits, this and that, blah, 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 blah. But uh, I just felt like there's this massive kind of lie that you're telling yourself. And I bet you there's a lot of people out there that are lying to themselves about what it is that they think they want to do versus what they're really capable of doing, but they're just too afraid to do it. Um, and that's kind of the, what I had to, that's the pill I had to swallow was I had to tell myself that, dude, you are giving up. You are giving up on something you worked towards since you were a little kid to do this, to sit in front of a screen 14 hours a day. Whether you get to wear the nice suits and go to meetings and, you know, have a nice parking stall for yourself and this and that and all the other things that come with that. But in the end, this is going to be your life for the next 20 years. Is that what you want? And then finally having to just battle back with my own conscience and be like, no, like say no with confidence and walk on a path of, to a lot of people, complete uncertainty. Yeah, and and how how quickly was that shift? Because again, you brought up a good point. A lot of people feel uh, trapped, or they feel like they need this job, and they feel like they need um, certain things. And you know, obviously, the older we get, more responsibilities. You know, family, kids. Uh, you start working up the corporate ladder, but then you realize this isn't your thing. You actually like painting, or you actually like rapping, or you actually like doing X, Y, Z. Um, so for you, how quickly was that shift of being like, all right, like this isn't for me, I need to get out of this. And how quickly did you make that decision to hop out of it and, 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 and go into, into your current field? I feel like it was once you realized you were depressed and you were like, this is like making me sad. But a lot of people yeah, feel sad. A lot of people are just okay being sad. They'll live with being sad. Um, but I think what happens is you got to be okay with the worst possible outcome, which is failure. And right. you have to be okay with the fact that you could fail and you could crash and burn and it could go wrong. But you live your life knowing that you gave something your best. Yeah. That you dared you dared to do it. You dared to give that thing a chance. Yeah. Yeah. You dared to do it. It's kind of like telling your kid, did you ch you know chase your dreams and you, uh, you ask, you know, as a kid, then you ask, oh, did you? And you want to be able to confidently say, I did. Mm -hmm. I tried or I did. And here's where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a, a little analogy that I'll bring up here because it, it makes sense to what we're talking about. So there's a guy walking, um, walking down the street and um, he's passing some houses and he sees a, uh, a dog and his owner on, on the porch. And as he's walking by the dog, he hears the dog whining. It's like making a weird whining sound and it, it doesn't sound comfortable uh, on the porch. 
And um, so as he's walking walking by, he he asks the owner, "Hey, sir, your dog is 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 moaning. Why is he why is he whining like that? He doesn't sound comfortable." And the owner says, "Well, he's sitting on a nail." And the guy asks, "Well, why doesn't he just get up, get off the nail, and sit somewhere else?" And he's like, "Well, that'll actually hurt more than him just sitting on the nail." So. I, I guess what he meant was from the analogy is we, even though that painful thought of transitioning uh, or even though where we are right now is painful, it doesn't hurt as much as the transition of moving to a different place, right? So it's actually easier to sit on the nail and whine about it and complain about our situation versus getting up off the nail. So I, I just I always think about that in the back but of my head. Couldn't you sit on a couch? <laughs> yeah, exactly, mm, right? Or a chair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let let yeah. let it pause. You know, hang off. It was a business analogy, mm. um, and and that that really relates to to me because I've always I've always been in in positions. I've worked since I was thirteen. I've been in in all the shit jobs you can think of, um, and I was always that person sitting on the nail or that dog sitting on that nail until I could in my mind commit to that change and say, screw it, you know, screw the, screw the paycheck, screw this position and then go into the waters of uncertainty and then just figure it out. Um, and, and I think like you said, it, 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 for me, it had, it, it has to hurt enough to decide to move somewhere else. And I feel like, it's easy to get that big paycheck. It's easy to go get that parking stall, have that nice latte, sit in meetings, do those things, get that paycheck. But that's easier than to chase chase your dream. And I feel like a lot of people are like that. They're afraid of that transition and that following your dreams is actually more of a, it a painful like a experience. sugary, cute thing. But yep. it's, it's one of the hardest things you can do is chase your dream yeah but yeah yeah it's so tough that's why not everyone's willing to do it right yeah that's the thing i i also think that uh no matter what it is that you're doing it could be anything it could even be the let's say the the shit job you're working right now to save up enough money to ultimately do what you want to do is you know you have an idea that let's say is who you want to become or what you want to do and then whatever it is that's going on in your life right now you almost just do an audit and you're like okay it's my job can I, can is, I ask is you my, a question right on the line? Yeah, the yeah, sure. Well, both you guys. What's one dream that you both have given up on? Oh, I, I have that immediately. Um. Okay. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna a chance to think. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll say, um, my my dream of playing uh, professional basketball. I remember I remember giving that up. Yeah. Uh, midway through university and seeing that this basketball has always been my first love i've always i i when i the moment i picked up a basketball moment i saw michael jordan on a vhs tape i was just hooked I, you know I, t I would tell my parents like i would go and play outside and i would come back home and say am i do i look like michael jordan yet do i have the am i do i have the dark skin yet that's how infatuated i was with mm. this human being oh dude i used to wear alan i used to cut off soccer socks and wear alan Ivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so the obsession uh, started early on the, that love and I remember that was my focus all the way up until my second third year of university yeah. um, actually it was actually more focus up until my grade 12 year and then I didn't know how to transition into playing university basketball uh, my coaches were uh, I'm not gonna lie my grade 12 coach was no help he had favorites um, and I would, I would say that publicly on camera because he he never you know i was one of the i feel like i was one of the hardest working guys like i was always looking into you know training i was on youtube like youtube just first came up and social media and all these things and we didn't have the cameras on our cell phones to film our games and do those things and a lot of universities required footage of seeing players um getting stats from coaches having their coaches give um reference saying hey this this basketball player is good you should you know, take him into a tryout, you know, take him into a practice for an hour and see how he is. And so not that I'm blaming my coach for this. 
I always take the onus on myself. But as a skinny, you know, five foot six brown guy, um, my chances were already slim playing college and professional basketball. You're one of them lanky long boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Like all the guys in you know, everyone's tall in uni. So I still had that in my brain of like, you know, it's okay if I just work hard enough. If I train and I eat right and I do all the things, I can still do this and still study. I can make this thing work. It's a work. good mentality. And Did you ever uh, pray to God to get like, like longer? Man, I would look in. No, I, Stretch I, yourself I, I like prayed, Michael yeah. Jordan. I would sit on the – my mom <laughs> yeah. would tell me monkey, monkey bars, just go into the hang, playground hang and upside hang. upside down. Yeah. And um, that's – again, I did everything in my power it's, to – It's funny because Michael Jordan did that and then he believed that that is what made him taller. But it could have just been a delay <laughs> in the growth, right? Yeah. That's a lot of people, man. I had the same dream as you, Omid. I, I wanted to be a, a basketball player. But then uh, one fateful day at a Hillcrest Junior High School, um, we were playing the Mustangs. And uh, at around halftime, we were getting the fucking shit kicked out of us. We were down about 30 points, and uh, Hillcrest had this player, Mangisto. And Mangisto, dude, he was like 21. Yeah. And we were probably 13. They just probably lied on his like little certificate when he came over <laughs> from, from Africa or whatnot. But this guy was a grown-ass man. He was like 6'6", <laughs> like six, six, and he was freaking dunking, dude. Like He's doing like tomahawk freaking yeah. dunks, and he was just killing us. And then we so the only time I really got to play was when we were getting the shit kicked out of us, mm. and then that's when I get subbed in sometimes, you know. So halftime comes and uh, my coach is like, "Bowler, get in, bud." And I'm like ecstatic. I'm like, "Holy shit, I'm gonna play!" And in my head, like, we're gonna come back. And so um, at halftime, like the the teams, you know, they switch sides, they switch hoops, and I get inbounded, and then the hoop it's completely open. So I started doing like my sick dribble. My, I got like two moves. I got the through the leg, behind the back, and then I got the just the behind the back one. And so I did the I did them both. I go through the leg, behind the back, through the back, and then I'm. It did look so cool. And I'm, I'm all by myself, and like no one's there, and I do like the sick like layup. And then I remember like as I went up to do the layup, I looked at the bench. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and the, the whole bench is like. I fucking scored on my own net. <laughs> oh my god! This story never gets old. Jokes. On my own net and uh, that must have my own net. And then my coach was uh, like, after the game, he was like, my coach went up to. I think about. I'm a, I'm a 13 year old junior high kid. He's like, they're never gonna let you live that down, kid. <laughs> oh my god! I gave, him, <laughs> I gave him my jersey the next day. Holy! And I left the world of. Basketball. Wow. I had to start fighting, honestly. Damn. I thought you were going to get blocked by Mangisto. Oh, Mangisto full-blown put his nuts in my face. Uh, (laughs) One game, because we played them like a few times a year. Mangisto, one time I was like... And he just flew over my head. Like, he soared over my head and just dunked and put his, you know... No way. You were really in the ball, and I can remember. We used to play on uh, other kids... uh, you know, whatever you call it, cul-de-sacs on their driveways because they had the basketball hoop. We didn't have it at the time. Uh, we actually ended up getting it eventually because our dad saw how much we loved it. But yeah. KB would be like, all right, bro, today, 100 shots. I'd be like, okay, so we get 100 buckets in. Yeah. We had to get 100 buckets in before we go home and have dinner. But it's just that, that feeling, man. You're chasing it, right? Yeah. That was the, uh, what about you? What was yours? You know what, man? First thing that came to mind is I, I feel like I gave up my dream of fighting. Mm. That's something that as an adult man, I know um, I will always wonder what if. Yeah. And I'll always wonder. I mean, yeah, sure. As much as I'm doing other, um, you could say, aspects that I know are my strengths that uh, will put me towards things I want to do. There's always that voice at the back of my head that it's it's an itch that is still yet to wanting to be scratched, but also... I can't help but wonder now in my adult mind now to be like, okay, yeah, what would that be like? Yeah, you know, like I, as far as my potential, yeah. because it's uh, 
I truly believe it from one fight. And of course, the, the unfortunate circumstances of breaking my jaw and then not going back to, to ever hurt it again that way. I can't help but wonder what would that be like and have been like if I continued, you know, yeah. no matter what the result, whether it's I fight again and, you know, God forbid it, 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 something bad happens again, or just for the fact of, Hey, you know what? Now with the mindset I have and the skill sets, what would it be like? Right. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, visit ab.bluecross.ca. Over time, you, Omid, have now developed a strong sense of urgency in investing in your personal health, um, in, in your relationships in your life, you know, family, significant others, friends, um, as well as you as a person, your own personal growth. It's been nice to really see you actually put in the time for all of that as much as you've been putting time into growing uh, your respective businesses. Because since we first met, the only thing you and me would fuck with and want to talk about is what we did as our careers or what we wanted to do as our careers. And you, out of anyone I know, would have sleepless nights, 14 to 16 hour days, just constantly like, man, like the, the hardest worker I know, period. So it's been really awesome to see as you're, you know, pretty soon here exiting your 20s and entering, you know, the next decade. It's beautiful to see how much you're now valuing and appreciating, uh, balance. <laughs> you know, we did Turjasvit. <laughs> yeah, you know no, it's crazy. You know why? Because we, you were like the opposite, right? So <laughs> not opposite from, not opposite in terms of, I think we were similar, similar, similar mindset, similar work ethic. Th- those were, those were the things. But I feel like you're more focused now more than ever. Because when I first met you, bro, I don't know if you remember this, your first year, you, I don't know how many jobs you, you switched. I don't know how many careers you were thinking about. I don't know how many, uh, hobbies and coffees with people, bro. Like every week there was a new friend. Every week there was a, a, a new career interest and I was going to be a tech and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, bro. I remember. And I was like, but now, but now, now I see you as like, you're, you know what's important now. You, you've decided, you've committed to certain pillars in your life where at that time you were tasting everything and mm. you, it was like, I want to be in tech and I want this and I want that and I want to do second floor and I want to do radio. I was at the I, candy store. I had 25 you, cent rollies on my, on me and I was just, you know, I was trying yeah, it all. Yeah, you were trying it all. And, and so I see, you know, the three years now later, it's like, as advice and all the all the things that you've learned you've become more focused you see the pillars of being a jujitsu athlete um doing you know your 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 work and 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 working in fitness and even with second floor we're getting more clear of where the direction of what we want to do so it's just beautiful to see that whereas before it was just like all over the place right that came with my personality too man it came with me like just running too fast you know, it's, I really appreciate you sharing that. I actually had this conversation with one of my trainers last night. He said something of the same nature and I had to ask him, you know, cause he's like, Kenny, it's, it's nice to see you almost like, like you're here, you're present. I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, when I compare to how you were when you first came to our club managing to how you are now, he's like, it's a difference. Mm. I was like, so what was it then? He's like, I just think maybe he's like, correct me if I'm wrong. He's like, you had a lot going on in your life. You were probably doing a lot of different things and you just didn't know what would stick. I was like, yeah. yeah, you nailed it, man. Yeah. And also shout out to Kim and you, man. Like it's, it's just nice to see that people see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't have to know everything, but they can almost see like a different, uh, it's a different way you're turning the pages now. Yeah. You know? So now I'm doing all these things and now you're focused on a couple of things. Yeah. We did the full switch. We did. It's actually <laughs> crazy, bro. We already know what this episode is going to be called That's- now. <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what about you, KB? Difference uh, in Kenny. You, your brother, younger brother. Difference in oh, Ke- since three years the, ago. You guys hit the nail on the head, man. Kenny was fucking scatterbrained, man. It's like he wanted to do everything that could be done, but then do all of them like just a little bit good. Yeah. Mm. And then now it's like, then he started like to trim the fat a bit in his life. And then he was doing things like a little bit better. But then you realize like he had to trim it even more, even more, even more. And now he's finally, you know, he's found his niche and he's dedicating himself to, to the specific things that like he needs to be good at. I think I, I can, I'm speaking for you here, but like, you start to realize in your life that you can't give a shit about everything. Like, if I've got a friend who is good at, like, finance, he's good with his money, He's and then i got another friend who's got this, like, amazing surge of creativity, and then I've got another friend who's a car guy, you know, he can get me a car... And then I've got another guy who's good at uh, basketball. You know, I'm going to be a basketball and Tesla driving creative finance man <laughs> because of my friends. They can teach me those things. I don't have to know jack shit about them. I'll That's stay right. in my lane. Right. You know, so pick your fucking lane and then do that thing. True. Don't yeah. try and be good at everything because you can end up being good at nothing. I love that. And then no one knows what to go to you for. They'll go, oh, yeah, I know you do a lot. What do you do again? Yeah, what, are you, mm. what guy are you? What? Yeah, what guy are yeah. you? Everyone says they got a guy, you know? Yeah. They got a Swiss Army knife, and on each blade is a guy. So, like, <laughs> be a guy yeah. that's useful, really, really good at one particular thing, and then you can be known as the that guy. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Kenny? What do you see um, in, in, in the changes in KB? What, what Three years ago from now, I know this is a little bit of a... A different yeah. thing, but no, I thought about that too. Older brother, how I, have you seen changes in in KB? What I would say in, in KB. So since I'm going back to since when we started the podcast, I see KB training more his mind just as much as his body now. Um, I feel like then um, through what KB does in his. Uh, passion for mixed martial arts and as a pro fighter um i feel like at that time it was so much of his talent that was getting him um to where he was successfully and then relying solely on um so much of his strengths and what he already knew he was good at so it was a it was a it was a combination of extreme amount of confidence and athleticism mixed in with Let's just get better at what I'm already good at. Now, flash forward three years later, I've seen KB completely humble himself into working on things he's just never worked on, like put putting back the white belt on again and, you know, working closely with um, his coaches on certain aspects of his game that just are new, that are refined, or just things that he's had to put so many hours and blood, sweat, and tears into doing to, to be the, the fighter in person he is today. That then came into so much of his time that he's dedicated into not just the act of training, but what's the homework? What's the training I'm doing when I'm not on the mat anymore? So it's been really beautiful to just see um, KB take the mentality of what he always says in, you know, his body is his job. So now, okay, if people are working 8 to 12 hours a day and whatever it is they're doing, what does he need to do 8 to 12 hours a day for his body? And that's a combination of, yeah, training and getting better through all the things that people are imagining what a fighter needs to do or an athlete. But now it's like, what's the mobility work? What's the meditation work? What's the yoga? What's the, what are we doing for the mind? What are we doing for the spot, the, the spirit? What are we doing for the body? It's just a constant, uh, endless, exciting rotation of so many different things. And, um, if anything, I, he's reaping and sowing all the benefits, right? You know, I've never, uh, you know, just to, to just mildly correct one thing Kenny said, I've never done anything like for the mind or like I would, spirit in that sense that like there's something that I do for that. I just but think it's what you tell yourself. It's, it's your self-talk, right? It's just I've become way more absorbed 
in my field. There's no off switch. Like anything and everything I'm trying to do is just for that thing. He's been listening to a lot of Sadhguru videos in the background while I play, so I've been... I I haven't, but... (laughs) He doesn't want it. (laughs) Nothing for the mind. Nothing. Like, no. You know what is for the mind? The mind is like your film study. The mind is like what you're... What are you practicing? What you practice in your mind, your visualization. Like, that is stuff for the mind. But it has to be specific, when we say this for the mind, like it's a very like blanket term that can be tossed over in anything and then it becomes kind of woo-woo and no one really gets what you're actually talking about when people talk about for the mind. But like if you have a field of interest in your life, something that you do, for me as MMA, then my quote-unquote mind training has to be specific to MMA. Like... When I'm not physically training, I have to be still doing my best to engage with the sport. You know what I mean? There's, if you want to get really good at something, you can't let there be an off switch for it. It's got to be all all day. Yeah. Mm. No, I love that. And I think, you know, just relaying off of that, I think even with, I relate to that, you know, not having that off switch, especially, you know, three years ago, starting the podcast, the vision, the vision that I had for starting this, you know, we've, we've made so much headway on, right? There's a lot of things that manifested out of the idea that started with a coffee that reunited us, um, working out of a, a, out of a shitty office with no heat, um, working at a, at a, at a job that was, I knew that it was a stepping stone, but having to refine my video skills. Like I remember, you know, our first, like our first episode was KB, you know, having the GoPro, a GoPro on the tripod after a second angle, hoping that that would give us a, a dynamic angle. Um, you know, not having the equipment we have today, uh, not understanding audio, uh, very well and having to learn that as another skill set, you know, getting lighting and all these different in film, these are all techniques, understanding what mics to get, lighting to get, how to position the cameras, what lenses to get, um, all these things, editing the podcast to, to a point of making it look more Hollywood or more professional, more refined, the color grading. So the different color balances, um, to even give that visual aspect even more of a, a touch, right? So all those things I remember just having to learn on my own because I never went to film school. You know, I never went to audio school. Uh, you know, I went, I had a, bi- I have a biology degree, you know, again, what, out of the, the passion and the love to manifest something that I feel like we can compete at the highest level. Like, I feel like we can compete with the Joe Rogans. I feel like we can compete with the podcasts that are getting millions of hits. And I still feel that to this day. But it's a constant, it's a constant practice of having reps. We're over almost, we're 150 episodes in, three years worth of refining, even my skill set as just being on camera. You remember the first 20, 30 episodes, I wouldn't even talk. Almost four. Yeah. Almost four years. Almost four years now, right? Like, you remember, man, like you were doing all the talking back in our first, first, first 20, 30 episodes. I had to absorb and learn that skill set. Right? How much does being on the podcast help you get out of that shell then? Oh, dude, it's night and day, man. Like it's, if you didn't my, my, do a podcast, how much of that would still be like how you are today? You know? I, it's completely changed uh, myself as a person, just being able to, I'm a very introvert, introverted person. Even doing the rap stuff and doing all this film stuff, that has pushed me to another level as a human being. My conversation skills have, have increased tenfold because of the pod. Because you get your reps in. You talk to people. You listen. You observe. You, you figure out pauses and nuances and, and learning about the person on the other side. So This is why I want more people to podcast. Right, not because you're gonna make more fucking money, not because you're gonna gain more fame. It's for everything you just shared. So it's gonna make you a better person. Yeah, it's gonna make you connect with more people. Yeah, you're you're actually forcing yourself to improve your listening skills. You're actually forcing yourselves to listen. 
yeah. then you're forcing yourself to get really creative in a point that you're trying to bring across. Everyone who's starting a podcast, not everyone, but mostly everyone who wants to do it is starting it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love how you and me, man, we began this not for the sake of let's make money and let's let's get famous. Those two are a bonus. But it's like, let's let's connect with people. Let's talk to people. One thing I was terrible at, man, I'm able to admit it. I know I was. So I wasn't a good listener. Because I wanted to be all about me. Yeah. With everything I did. I wanted to be a fucking star. I wanted the center of attention. I wanted it to be all about me. And the podcast was the first thing where I'm like, it's not about you. If anything, yeah. it's not about you at all. Yeah. You're the host. You're yeah. going to ask questions. You're going to make it about the person right in front of you. Yeah. And and make sure that shines through. Yeah. And uh it's cool, man, because you and me both in many reasons started it to work on two things we wanted to strengthen that in mm-hmm. a way was our weakness. Yeah. Well, just just again, just going off that, like the amount of like when I meet a new person now, I because of the podcast, because you have so many conversations. I can now hold a better conversation with this person. Mm. That's a random stranger. I am not introverted and quiet when I'm sitting with a set of new faces. I can confidently talk. I can confidently shift. Even if there's awkward moments and pauses, it's all good. Now, before the podcast, I was, I wasn't like that. Shy, like a little shy, whatever, you know? So, so the benefits outside of just doing the podcast from the skill set of having a conversation with somebody one-on-one or whatever the case you got to hold that conversation you got to be able to that's a skill on its own right this episode is brought to you by q films media if you're interested in starting a podcast or you are interested in getting creative content solutions dedicated towards making you and your voice more out there look no further q films always on scene was there ever a moment for you guys where you guys wanted to quit uh, doing the podcast and if that moment existed how did you guys navigate through it and get yourselves to where you're at today <laughs> there were so many moments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know how many times me and Omen would sit with each other and be like what do we do now like, yeah. we'd be like is this it yeah. can, like, can we keep this up do we keep going we do quarterly review we do yearly review <laughs>